0: Hey, it's Kylie Unel. My podcast, 49 Days to Stretch My Soul, is airing each weekday between Passover and Shavuot and follows my daily journey to stretch my soul during these spiritual days. We also wanted to give unorthodox listeners a special weekly window into my Omer Counting journey. So here's the past week on 49 Days to Stretch My Soul.
1: Monday.
0: Hey, it's Kylie, and welcome to 49 Days to Stretch My Soul. It has been four weeks of Svirata omer We are actually closer to the end than the beginning now. And it's fitting because this week we are dealing with the trait of hod, which is humility. I'm going to learn today, per usual, from the incredible Dasi Zar, co-director of the Young Professionals branch of Chabad House Bowery called Kihilas Atid. She's going to teach me about what Hode is all about, what humility means in the context of Svirat Homer. So with that, I hand this over to Dossi. Hi, Dossi. Hi, Kylie. We're back.
2: We're back, we're back. Last
0: week was perseverance, victory, and endurance, and now we're at a week of what is traditionally understood how I understand it, humility, submission to a higher
2: power. That's exactly what it is. It's humility and self-sublimation, an ability to take yourself out of the picture, right? And exactly what you said, netzach, is that victory, perseverance, pushing forward, fighting that fight. And now we move to the opposite side, that gvura energy, that discipline restraint, extends now into hod, which is that humility. It's interesting because the word Code means, it means a few things, but one of the loosely translated words is glory. Mm. So what does that mean that it's connected to glory? Because it's really about being willing to let go of your own personal glory and outshining everybody else and recognizing that you're just one piece of the big puzzle. You're able to collaborate with those around you. With your love relationship, with your parents, with your friends, with your coworkers. You're not just trying to outshine everyone. You're not the ball hog on the basketball team, but you recognize each person has a unique ability and mm-hmm. skill that's divinely given to them. And you're respecting and honoring that. So that takes a dissolving and a humility of the ego. It's
0: counterintuitive almost mm-hmm. because we just focused on the self through perseverance and endurance. Like that to me is the most self-oriented. It's Mm -hmm. like, how do I get through this thing? What do I have to tell myself? How do I give myself what I need to finish what I set out to start, which is so self. And then the next week we're told, well, it's not really about you. (laughs) You're just a piece of the puzzle. Don't get too big headed basically and see yourself as a kind of instrument. Like if there's, if God is the creator of all things, you're just a little piece. But I just built myself up last week.
2: So I feel like I'm getting torn down. That's what it is, my love. It's like (laughs) the yin and the yang. We're moving from one side of the spectrum to the other side of the spectrum. We need both extremes to come into that balanced center line, which we're going to get into next week. It's all about, it's all going to come into integration and how do we, Move from both of these. And sometimes your life is going to call for netzah. You got to push through, right? Every life cycle, there's an aspect of, I got to fight this. Yeah. And then there's an aspect of, there is a bigger picture here. In fact, the word hod comes from the word hodu. Hodu le Hashem. Hodu means to praise, to thank, Mm. to appreciate, to recognize that you're grateful. That it's not just about you. That you are part of this massive master plan. And to be smitten by the awesomeness. And that really makes us feel like small, but also there's a greatness there. Being human is hard. (laughs) Like
0: (laughs) I feel like I get it every week. And then there's something else and it's like, okay, you thought you got it. That's so great. But it turns out you didn't. Or you got it for a specific moment, but it turns out there are 10,000 more moments. And like that thing that you honed as well as you can met the need of that moment. But it's just for that specific moment.
2: Mm. that's a hard pill to swallow I know you Kylie you're a growing person <laughs> so while you're pushing forward you have so much openness and humility to what life brings you mm. and so that's wh- that's a great thing you know somebody who's like I got it I know in my mind that's stagnant mm. and that's not real growth but you have the humility to say I got it and now I have no idea what's going on and yeah. that's normal that's the way that we're wired we're not supposed to get it all the time
0: Kind of makes me feel like also that there are some weeks that will come more easily based on where you're at in your life. So like a listener is going through this and and really feels like they have a grasp on endurance. Every week I'm talking to somebody who embodies a trait. So there are some people who are going to get this. You're right. I do have that sense of bigger picture, which in some ways is an Achilles heel. Like It doesn't make my life easier. But every person is going to have a trait that they've been trained in, almost, mm-hmm. that they've got. But what does it look like in God? <laughs> like, I think if all of these are meant to be mirrors of what God already has, what does hode look like in the divine creator of
2: the world? Gosh, that's such a loaded question. <laughs> well, if we're saying that hod is really about humility, the ultimate humility is in Hashem, right? Hashem isn't like, hello, I'm here recognize me, Hashem is like, you could go through your entire life and not recognize that there's a divine energy that's reinvigorating the world at every single moment. Mm. And I think that for us, sometimes we need to, like, recognize there is so much at play and we are that small little puzzle, yeah, but we're also so powerful and so great at the same time, right? There's that famous chassidic idea that the chassid in one pocket holds, that you are The entire world was created for you. And in the other pocket had you are dust of the world. And it's like holding these two ideas in our minds constantly is so important and so powerful. I think recognizing that Hashem is ultimately humble. There's so much humility in Hashem. That's what Moses also was. Moses was the epitome of humility. That's why he was the greatest leader. He was completely transparent, just a perfect vessel for the divine to express itself through. Mm, And struggled a lot struggled a lot. Which I guess is part of being a
0: perfect vessel.
2: Yes. Hashem the name Hashem is God superpower consciousness the universe you know we have different words to express what Hashem is Yeah, Hashem is ultimately the invigorating light that is recreating the world at every single moment and we're part of that Hashem is willing us into existence at every single moment it's pretty incredible when you think about it like you're needed, you're needed. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Every single moment Hashem's doing that. Mm. It's pretty wild.
0: I think what's also wild is that this is a process that exists in the world, <laughs> this process of cultivating these different energies and emotions. It's. I think the more I learn about it, the more I do with it, the crazier it is that this is something that we have in our lives to do.
2: You know, you've said a couple times now, this is so hard and being a human is hard, and it's so true. I can't say enough how true that is. And I think the reason for that is because we are souls in a body. Mm. And we have these two very opposing parts of us that are like, wait, I just want to be in the divine. And then there's a part of us that's like, I want to go to Tulum and party really hard. And it's like, <laughs> how do we bridge these two very opposite and opposing expressions of ourselves that like, live inside of us? Yeah, And that's really the whole point of this is we are both and both need to exist and express themselves and they lean on each other it's this whole tug of war yeah. that we're just kind of like figuring out you know yeah there's a quote
0: I was just reading a book by Robert Johnson called like understanding our shadow Robert Johnson being the psychologist I read an excerpt from the first week that life has to be balanced and if you focus only on the culturally accepted qualities which we're taught to hone because those are the ones that are accepted in society. You have to balance out by expressing the other side, like the darker sides, the things that aren't accepted in society. That's the only way
2: to be a productive human, mm. by balancing out. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's, a, there's night and day in 24 hours. Yeah. We have to experience the light, and we have to experience the darkness within us. It's all part of who we are.
0: <sighs> it's odd to start off a week knowing that I don't really have control over anything, but we'll see how I feel by the end of it. Stay tuned for tomorrow when I read something to keep me humble.
1: Tuesday
0: Hey, it's Kylie, and welcome to 49 Days to Stretch My Soul. Just like every Tuesday, I'm reading something to help me understand this week's attribute of hode or humility, and submission to a higher power. It also happens to be the week in which I'm experiencing the most internal resistance because it's all about relinquishing the control I so desperately desire to maintain. Like an angst-ridden, oppositional teenager arguing over household chores, I have absolutely no desire to do any of what I'm supposed to do because it's not what I want to do. Like that teenager, I already know everything, or at least I already know everything I think I want to know. But, as Kendrick Lamar saying, I need to sit down and be humble. But I really, really don't want to. However, given that last week was all about perseverance, I already know that I have to. I need to have the humility to be open to new answers and also accept that it's okay to have questions. I want to know what's happening around me. What is God? What impact do my actions have on the world? I like answers, which makes this trusting week of Hode particularly difficult for me. Enter the 20th century German poet, Rainer Maria Rilke, with some advice he gave to an aspiring writer. In the book, Letters to a Young Poet, Rilke writes, be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you, because you would not have been able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then, gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. Rilke is saying something that is particularly poignant, but also very hard to adopt, and that is live in the discomfort. He argues that we must live in a space of curiosity towards the world, which inherently relinquishes my sense of control and makes people like me really uncomfortable. The trick here is to bask in the discomfort and be curious instead of rigid. I love what he says at the end about time. Gradually, without noticing it, in some distant day, you'll live into an answer. I love that idea. It's exactly what I've been attempting to do every week, and what I will attempt to do again tomorrow as I go out, begrudgingly, to work on humility. Until then, I'm Kylie Younell, and this is 49 Days to Stretch My Soul.
1: Wednesday.
0: Hey, it's Kylie, and welcome to 49 Days to Stretch My Soul. Week five is a week of humility and accepting that I don't have control over the world. If you listened to the last season of this podcast, when I tried different things to connect me to the soul work of the month of Elul, you might remember the week where I went into nature to talk to God for a practice called Hit-Bodidut. comes from the Hasidic tradition and involves you going out into nature and talking to God out loud like he's right there next to you. Now, if you listened to yesterday's episode, you heard how resistant I was to doing anything that involves surrendering control. I decided for my due this week that I'm going to take that practice up again and go out to talk to God for some heat boda dude. I did not want to do heat boda dude, but instead of setting my resistance aside, I leaned into it and brought it with me on my walk with God or whatever in the world was listening to me. God. God, 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 God. I am having a really hard time letting go and moving into a place of question and curiosity, connection, allowing myself to be in the world. God, are you just me? (laughs) Is it just my mind? God, 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 God. It makes me throw up not knowing and knowing that I'll never have a definitive answer. I'll never have... I will never have a definitive truth. That's the eye, like, I study philosophy, which is people who, who think that they have truth and they assert things. They stick a pole in the ground and say, this is the line, this is what is truth. And then there's ten people to come and argue why <laughs> it's not. <laughs> There is maybe some truth to everything, I don't know. Doesn't matter if there's a such thing as good and evil. Like, in the grand scheme, doesn't matter. Humility, God, humility. How do you be humble and also assert yourself and have belief at the same time? Those seem completely antithetical to each other. What? Like, you want me to be humble and acknowledge that I don't know what is true and you are the true arbiter of truth. And I should believe things and really stand for something in the world. Hey, he's really beautiful. That's okay. Hi. You're hey, so hi, pretty. Buddy. Oh, thank you. You're so pretty. What's his name? Buddy. Buddy, hi, buddy. God, you're asking me to hold a lot. You are asking me to hold a lot. Everything is this paradox. It's quite hard to hold together. Wow. It hurts me to say this is just a thought, this is just an opinion and also this is truth. I think my discomfort comes from just wanting to peace. I want to be settled. I want inner peace. I want to stop struggling so much. I I don't know if I would ever tell anybody to do what I'm doing because this is so hard. It feels like it requires so much strength. I guess on some level, all that's left to do is to just accept that I don't know. Like, that's it. Just say, like, I have no idea what's happening. I am reading other people's ideas and they're just ideas and you just let that be it. Like, let everything just be an idea. I think I've been waiting for this, actually, for a really long time. My body has felt, like, literally bloated with thoughts. I'm never gonna come to an answer. I'm never gonna come to an answer, and there's not one answer, and it's just, that's like what it's gonna be. There's not an answer that I'll ever come to. Important people have answers. Important philosophers say what the truth is. That's what you do, you philosophize. But like, I don't, I have no answers. I have no answers. Oh my God, these things are incredible. Oh my god, they're the most incredible plants you've ever seen in your life! Literally shaped like a heart. Ugh. I know God exists. I, like, I know God is running everything. I know it, I know it. in the, in the thoughts that I have, I know it. In the, Feelings that I have, and the ways that my life unfolds. It's, it's not random. God, I don't feel at peace. It's like I will stop existing if everything is easy. That's literally, that's it. I will stop existing if everything is easy. That's what it feels like. The question that I get to live with is what if life can be easy? What if I can exist and be in the world with ease. I ended my walk feeling like I needed to do that a long time ago. There was a very big part of me that was waiting for me to meet myself. Maybe it was God, maybe it was my soul. I have no idea what was waiting. But like Rilke said, I'm learning to live with the questions. And so with that, tomorrow I talk to somebody who practices relinquishing control on a daily basis and helps others do the same. Until then, I'm Kylie Unell, and this is 49 Days to Stretch My Soul.
1: Thursday.
0: Hey, it's Kylie, and welcome to 49 Days to Stretch My Soul. We've made it to the point in the week when I talk to somebody who is living Hode, or humility, to help me understand the attribute. But first, I want to wish you a happy Lagba Omer, the 33rd day of the Omer. Today is a day of celebration, marking the end of a plague that killed over 24,000 of Rabbi Akiva's students thousands of years ago. The day also celebrates the life of Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, one of Rabbi Akiva's most famous students. Traditionally, it's a big day for barbecuing and lighting bonfires. It's also when those who weren't listening to music or cutting their hair during the first half of the Omer bring that back in. So if you have plans today or got the party started last night, l'chaim. Party or no party, today is Thursday, and I am turning to a friend to help me understand food. Moish Khanen is a life coach and a man who speaks publicly about his journey to sobriety as a recovering and sober alcoholic and addict. Moish devotes his life to helping people let go of their sense of control. He is also the host of the Nishamas podcast, where he speaks incredibly openly with other people about their personal experiences with mental illness and their pathway to recovery. Here's my conversation with Moish. I'm really excited to talk to you for a multitude of reasons. The first of which is that we're in the week of Hode, humility, submission to a higher power. Easily the week that I've had the most resistance of every single week of Sphira. I feel like an obstinate teenager. Like I don't want to, I don't want to move. I don't want to let go of anything. I want to just stay where I am and... It's hard. It's hard to get out of that. And so I'm really excited to talk to you because I feel like you understand that. And that is something that you not only have worked within yourself, but you've also helped and you continue to help other people work through. So I think for starters, tell me about your journey to to humility.
1: What's most current to me as you speak is that when we began the recording, I had my hands, my elbows up on the table and my hand in front of my face. And what happened to me naturally is I put my hands onto my lap. And as soon as I did that, I was like, wow, this is so much more humble.
0: Oh, my God. That's so beautiful because it's the simplest little things that can be really hard to build up to. At least if you're me, it's hard to do those little
1: things. It's that. It's um, being conscious. You know, I've done a lot of different types of like speaking things right so i've been thank god in 12-step recovery for almost 10 years now and i've had the opportunity to share my story many times i also have a podcast and there's one thing that i do almost every time i speak and that is like the prayer that we say right before Esrei, which is which means god please open up my mouth and let your word speak through
0: me Esrei, just for clarity's sake is what
1: Yeah, Shimon Esrei is like the highlight of Jewish prayer, which is we say three times a day. That's the time when we're one-on-one with God. The one-line prayer that we say right before we begin the long 18 blessings is, Dear God, please, please open up my mouth so that your praise can come through me, you know, to you. So essentially, it's like, please help me let go of what I think is supposed to come through me. Or, you know, even the, even the language of saying come through me is also like yeah. an expression of the work, right? So, oh yeah, it's me that's supposed to come up with ideas and it's me that's supposed to remember all these things that I'm going to say, or it's like completely, like actually intentionally forgetting or setting aside everything, you know, and also like not just I'm setting aside, I'm asking God to help me set aside anything I think I know about what hood is and what humility is and what who kylie is and who Mush is and who god is just to help me set that aside even though like if i was doing it on my own i probably wouldn't do it perfectly and even if i ask you god the way that you're gonna set it aside is not going to be the way i think it's supposed to be set aside you know like deeper and deeper but ultimately it's like help me set aside everything i think i know about what's supposed to happen here.
0: Even you saying that, my, my mind is kind of on fire. Like, what role am I going to play, though? What am, where is my place going to be? But how did you come to this point? How did you come to this point in your life where you let go of the sense that everything falls on you, that the pressure is on you, that you have to figure out how to be in the world? How did you, how did you get to that
1: point? You really, really helped me answer the question by the way you just expressed what am I going to do? Right. Often our response to what am I going to do? What am I going to say? What is my role is responded with actually like despair. Like, Oh, what am I going to do? I don't. And uh, there's like a silent, I don't know. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: And then there's despair and then there's like, Oh, you know, and all these different thoughts of maybe I shouldn't do it at all. Maybe I should just like not record this or, you know, So that's one way of responding. And that's mostly going to be unconscious. But if we're conscious, there are generally two ways that we can respond. One is going to be with like a piece of information. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to figure this out about what I'm going to contribute to this conversation or what I'm going to contribute in this world. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like responding with some sort of strategy, intellectual process that's going to help me come up with a strategy. And another one is Who's asking that question? Who's asking that question? Is it Kylie from today? Is it Kylie from a teenager? Is it how many times you know, how far back does this Mm. question go? And if this question goes anywhere past today, you know, yesterday or a week or a year ago, then perhaps what I really need is just a hug and some love and some (laughs) being with, right? So the reason why I went through all that is basically say that when I do that practice and I'm able to soothe all of those or as many of those voices of neediness, that the the voices that take up all the space of silence, then a voice from deeper and beyond can just come forth.
0: What was your life like before you got, like, have you always lived like this? Has this been your life? Have you always been? No,
1: no way, no (laughs) way. This is, even today, this is constant, constant work and worth it. I'm heavily invested in, you know, getting clear uh, as much as possible on what God's will is for me in every given moment. And that being what always aligned with what what I would love and what I'm good at.
0: Have you always lived with a sense of, like, calling, though? Or was there a point before where you were, like, resistant to it?
1: So I I definitely had some sort of calling to, like, I I guess because I, I grew up in an environment where we, like, absolutely took on... A leadership and and passion like roles like there's, there's a purpose that we would take it on so for example in in my addiction i opened up a synagogue and created a community and it was amazing and uh, i did that twice that's when i was single and when i was married i did it once in, in jerusalem with a bunch of friends and it was a beautiful community and then i did it again so like on one hand i was plagued with so much fear so much like self consciousness self-degradation, shame, guilt, resentment. Like I was completely full with that. And despite that, I was able to create a few things. And that was amazing. Now, once I was able to work through all that stuff, you know, therapy work, 12-step work, what are all the noises and all the fears and, and beliefs about myself and the world and others that are limiting my vision and limiting my capacity to create a positive impact in the world, starting with myself, my family and my friends and and so on and so forth. You know, I, I try to do every every possible way, you know. I've I've been committed to that like from basically that's what sobriety kind of forced me to do that. Like the only way I was able to stay sober was to get clear on what all those all that noise is.
0: So what was your life like pre-sobriety? Because you've kind of set up this sobriety and then before. What was your life like before as it relates to control in particular?
1: It was, uh, I think it was like a three-step process, right? So I would have an idea of the way the world is supposed to be. And the the place where it played out the most was in my marriage. There was a way that I would want my wife to behave, the way my home I wanted it to be or the way I wanted it to be treated. And when i would either expect without voicing or voice what it is that i want and things would not go my way 99% of the time or be even nicer and plead or like do extra favors so i can earn the right to say what i want so that if i if you only do what i want everything's going to be better you know and then when things didn't go my way i would slip right into a depression and the depression was like you know, this is the one person that loves me, you know, more than anybody in the world. And I'm relying on that. And I'm not even being heard here. So, you know, what's, what's the point? That's my way of trying to control was like in a super nice way, but ultimately, yeah, it would like lead me to disappointment
0: and depression, etc. And so what was 12-step work like? One of the readings that we were contemplating doing for this week, I, I read something to connect me to the sphere every week, and we were contemplating doing the AA prayer, the serenity prayer, because it's all about control. God help me let go of control. Grant me the serenity, I think, to let go of control. And so that like, it's all about this idea of, of happiness comes from not having control. <laughs> it comes from the humility that comes from not having control. So what was that process like for you?
1: I distinctly remember coming home a few days in a row and um, there were like food items left on the counter that go bad and we were like super struggling financially. And I was so frustrated by that, like how could, how could this continue happening? And um, the work for me was to accept the person that I cannot change, right? Which is my wife. And ask God also for the courage to change the person that I could change. And that's me. And the wisdom to know the difference, right? I cannot change her. I need to focus on my on, on me. And at the time, the thing is, is like this is, there's like a gift of desperation in sobriety. Because I had to do this work. For me to be resentful at my wife would cause me to drink. And for me to drink was to die. So I couldn't. I was like a matter of life. I had to let go of it but then on the other hand once i started practicing that first of all a lot of the things that i was trying to control ended up working out anyway without my control and specifically without my control but furthermore i was sober and the bonus which was like the best thing ever was like i was ha- I started having an amazing life and mm. i started applying that everywhere missing a train and uh, you know all different type of disappointments can i change anything you know i remember standing at the platform of the train running late for work and I'm like looking over, looking for the train and I'm like, wait a second, what's happening here? I am not the conductor. I don't even have access to him to tell him to come any quicker. There's absolutely nothing that I can do right here, right now to make that train come quicker. And I'm late. I'm late. And, um, and I'm fighting what is, I'm just fighting it. And it's creating a certain person. And then I, and I, the question was, Why did this have to happen, right? That was the question in my head. And I was given a gift, you know, through like a real slowing down and accepting. And the word was wonder. I wonder why this happened, you know, Mm. so much more like humility, so much more openness, so much more curiosity. And then I just switched. And and if I'm going to go into the world of wonder and humility, then it's going to be like, "Hmm, I wonder if I was late so that I can say hi to this person on the train. I wonder if I'm late because somebody needs to see my, you know, my yarmulke or my Christmas or my beard or my smile. And then I was, I would just like kind of explore on all these good things that I can possibly do.
0: I love that so much. The, The, the piece that I read this week In the end was a piece by this German poet named Rilke, and the the main message of it is to live the questions, not to look for the answers, but to live with questions. And through living the questions, you will eventually over time live into an answer. And to have the humility to know that you don't need the answer right away, you don't need the answer. It's just a curiosity, it's just a question. And by having the open question, you will eventually maybe come to an answer. But even if you don't, you're also okay. And that's, it's really, it's hard to do. It's just like, I know for me, there's a part of me that just wants to have an understanding of everything and come to a, feel content knowing that this thing happened, it it was really uncomfortable, it sucked, but I can make sense of it and so it's fine. It was meant to happen for this reason. It's coming up with some kind of neat package for things to exist in so that I don't feel any kind of discomfort at things not going my way.
1: I I want to try to paint a picture for you and maybe offer you a perspective, okay? There's a pause that happens when an artist is given the canvas and the paint and he sits down and he pauses right there and then where he's standing in front of infinite possibility. I can draw anything and wait, wait, let's see what comes forth, let's see what comes forth, and then something starts coming forth, but there's like Mm -hmm. a space, right, so we can look at question as that, we can look at question as like a necessary evil in order to get to an answer, so, or or a question is a problem and an answer is a solution, or we can look at questions themselves as, as a way to live in the world, not just, as a means to get the answers like there's a way of being infinite in a finite world so in a world which needs answer i need answer i need answer but how long can i stay without needing an answer how can i how long can i sit in infinite possibility for and the longer i can sit in infinite possibility the more i can experience what it means to be in the presence of infinite possibility and there's so much and and, and it could be something to be like to pursue in and of itself and it could also be something to be a means of, of accessing deeper creativity. You know, the longer mm. I could sit with a blank canvas and quiet all of the neediness to fill it with something, you know, and wait, 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 quiet. I see you, I see you, I see you. And then calm down, like really be with all my inner parts, all the neediness, and then like love them and then allow like, much deeper creativity to emerge.
0: I think somehow you have hit on every single theme of the Omer that I've covered so far, of each attribute has somehow, I think, come out in conversation with you in the most beautiful, seamless way, which is such a testament to not holding control, because I could not have gotten that out of you if I tried. <laughs> it just happened that every single thing at some point that you said hit on something that, I, that I've learned, which I think is perhaps the most beautiful way to start winding down, because that's what we're doing. We're, we're beginning the wind down, in some ways, of the Omer by moving into a place of acceptance of what is. And Moish, you have given me the greatest gift of acceptance of what is. In an area where I feel deeply challenged, you have really helped me a lot, and I'm very grateful to you for that. There is something about a conversation covering humility that makes me feel like I need to have even more control. I went into this conversation with an idea in my head about how it needed to unfold or what I wanted Moish to say. But as we were talking, none of what I imagined playing out really played out. In some ways, it felt like being coached in humility as we were talking. In the end, our conversation was even better than I could have ever orchestrated. He managed to hit every attribute of sphira and show me how intertwined everything is up until this point of the count. He really taught me that humility is what you get when you give yourself over to the experience. Stay tuned for tomorrow when I sum up my experience and wrap up a week of humility. Until then, I'm Kylie Unell, and this is 49 Days to Stretch My Soul.
1: Friday.
0: Hey, it's Kylie, and welcome to 49 Days to Stretch My Soul. During this entire process, I have yet to experience resistance on the level that I did this week. The attribute of Hode is about loosening my grip in life and letting go of my sense of control. But really, when I think about it, something bigger was happening this week than just that. In a point of total honesty, my relationship with God and to God over the last couple of months has been a sore point for me. I've been grappling with the work of philosophers who have their own conceptions of God, ideas that are totally different than mine, and it's led me to question what I believe is the truth. This existential struggle was not something that I wanted to think about, which made the act of submission this week particularly difficult. From the get-go, I hated it. It felt like having something disgusting thrown in front of your face and dangled there until you have to look at it. Setting out to live in a week that revolves around God when I don't know what God even is or what it means to live in a world controlled by God was, and still is, frightening. Going out to talk to God was something that I avoided the entire week. My resistance to doing heat Keep Bodhidut, came from the same fear that Rilke helped me put into words, the fear of living with questions. But what I found from doing this practice is that I actually gain more from going out and talking because my body and soul are desperate for me to voice what I'm actually feeling and thinking. It came to feel like submission to God is more about admitting to myself what I'm really thinking rather than making myself small to meet God. It was empowering. I'm starting to think that that's what submission is. Before this week, I thought that Hode would feel like having all the answers. Knowing without a doubt that God exists and what my place is in relation to it, him, her, them, I have no idea. I believed that you humbled yourself before God because you know that God exists and that without a doubt, you act in partnership with God. In that state, there are no questions, only certainty. So when I had questions, I didn't feel like I could be humble. It's still hard for me to grasp, but I'm learning that humility, this week of Hode, is about acknowledging the questions and being honest with the discomfort that is caused by not having answers. Moish hit that point home with what he had to say about control. If something isn't going my way, it doesn't help to feel frustrated over not being in control. The only person I can control is me, and I get to sit in my discomfort, allow it to exist, and then, if I'm feeling really advanced, Wonder about what purpose this frustrating event might serve. All I know this week is that I'm feeling like I'm being turned inside out. Humility is uncomfortable, but not because it's that self-effacing kind of humility we associate with the word. Rather, it's because it's an attribute that encourages radical honesty with yourself and with whatever is listening outside of us. God is expansive and holds everything that is, and we're learning to do the same with ourselves, Hold it all. It's not just the Chesed and the Gevorah that's God, somehow, and I don't understand it, and frankly, I'm not sure I ever will. It's the doubt and the struggle and the pain. That's God too. Everything is God. And with that, I go into a week where I learn about the necessity of connection for encountering God with the attribute of yisod, or bonding and foundation. That's it for 49 days to stretch my soul this week. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to get the daily version. 49 Days to Stretch My Soul is a production of Tablet Studios. The show is hosted by me, Kylie Younell and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay, Josh Cross, Quinn Waller, Robert Scarmuccia and Sarah Fredman-Ader. Our team includes Stephanie Butnick, Leah Leibovitz, Mark Oppenheimer, and Tanya Singer. Please go rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps other people discover the show. For more of me, you can follow at Kylie Unell on Instagram. For more information about this or any other of Tablet's podcasts, visit tabletmag.com podcasts.